Welcome to Gamer Heroes, a Heroes Podcast Network production. Each episode, we discuss the latest gaming news and then bring on a guest or two for an in-depth discussion on specific games, franchises, and more. It's game time. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to Gamer Heroes, the video game podcast on the Heroes Podcast Network. I am your host, Derek, and this week we're doing things slightly different. My guest is my buddy, John, who used to co-host this show with me way back in the day during the first 60 episodes of the show, and we haven't done an episode together in almost two years, and I am really excited to have him on the show this week. So we're going to pass over to that part of the show, and we're going to do news together, and then our main topic, which is the Resident Evil franchise. We'll be talking about the franchise as a whole, kind of where it got started, how to get into it, if you're new to it, how the different branches of the stories work, um, and then the newly announced Resident Evil 8 Village, or Resident Evil Village, as the producers would prefer we call it. So let's go ahead and cut over to that. Hope you enjoy, everyone. All right. Hey, everybody. So I have with me a a fun guest that I've been excited to have back on the show. And that's my buddy, John Zerwinski. Hi, John. Hello. It's good to be back. Uh, A little uh, he gave me too good of a entrance there. I don't (laughs) I don't think I'm the most exciting guest. I was excited. I'm excited because for those who don't know, John and I used to host this show together way back but he and i you haven't done an episode with me or the two of us together haven't done an episode since august of 2018 it's been almost two years jeez life life is life is what happened in between the that time period but um yeah so now that you've reminded me how long it's been i'm overdue (laughs) well and i was looking back at like our last couple episodes and one of the last topics we covered coincidentally this was not planned was the Resident Evil experience at San Diego Comic-Con. That oh, that's right. <laughs> and that was two years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Like, just kind of lined up, you know. Um, do you remember that experience at all? Did, yeah. it, did it hold up? Absolutely. To, we got to talk all about <laughs> it. <laughs> Absolutely. It did, actually. Um, do you, I don't know if you want to cover it now or not. Well, go, go ahead. Over news. Well, uh, well, okay. So... We could do that if, if that's let's, what you Let's want. stick was, to the format, okay? Sure, sure. Let's let's stick to the format, man. That's fine. So, okay, let's let's start with a topic then that I think kind of interests both of us because of our, our weekly game nights, and that's Fallout is getting its own TV series through Amazon and the creators of Westworld. I I'm I'm game. I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Um, I mean, so I didn't get to watch Westworld, the the which is oh, a, that's right, I which that's is not part even of the original series; it's a reboot. Um, oh. but I mean, I know the production value is really high, and I know Amazon's pouring a fortune into the Lord of the Rings show. So, you know, I'm sure that they're going to try their best, but I don't really know what to expect. We don't really know much about it at this point. Basically, we have a very short teaser that's really just like the Fallout staticky tv thing um and that's all we know so we have no idea when it takes place in the fallout timeline if it'll follow any particular game's narrative or if it'll be a completely new story following a new vault or who knows what um is there anything that you'd want to see or anything you really don't want to see 
So uh, I actually want to talk about that. It's uh, with Westworld, if they do anything like that, they could, let's just say, let's say if they wanted to really make it very Westworld, they could make it seem like we were in the Fallout timeline uh, in different points in that timeline, of course, but all still seem like it's the same as far from the viewer perspective you you're so the the timelines blend so smoothly and things happen and so accordingly that we would believe not until the end that of course it was all current time how great that's would that be that's interesting uh that's what they did with westworld and if they could do that with the game where actually they're following the storylines from the game because you're gonna have to pick and choose there's a lot of side quests and there's a lot of um a lot of the primary story ties in depending on decisions. So I feel like it, they, they have a lot of freedom, really. They're just borrowing the world. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They do have, but a I would like to see that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, I don't know what I'd want to see from it, to be honest with you. Part of me thinks it'd be kind of cool to see a bit of a prequel. Um, you know, what happens before all the vaults are sealed up, uh, maybe a story about, how some of the vaults were constructed and what some of the experiments are going into them and maybe doing an anthology like that where we bounce around between different vaults and the experiments going on inside those vaults. Huh. Interesting. Well, we all know from the original game is the is the water. <laughs> well, no, it depends on the it depends Chemical. on the vault. Every vault has has different stuff, right? Cuz like in 76, 76 there was no experiment, right? You're literally supposed to be just the cream of the crop. You know, but there are all of these different experiments going on in the different vaults. And in each game that exists so far, um, you know, like shelter aside, uh, there's a different vault that has a different story and, and a different reason for existing. So we could see what some of those experiments are and maybe, you know, they could create some new stuff because there's a lot of numbers, you know. Well, yeah, they literally just pick, they can make, they can make something up too. Mm -hmm. Honestly, there's so many storylines they could possibly follow. Yeah. I think what I don't want to see is just a straight adaptation of one of the game's stories. You know, like I don't want to see Fallout New Vegas, the show. Right. You know what I mean, right. I'd rather see an expansion on that. Well, and, and uh, to talk about that a little bit, you know, there's going to be some people, there's always some people that demand it to be accurate to the source material. And then there's some people like us who would like to see them do something different with it. Well, I think, and, I think um, you can get both. Write though. a story. Like if you, if you pick a vault that hasn't been featured in one of the games, then you can kind of do more or less whatever you want, as long as the aesthetic matches. Right. You oh know? man. Power, power armor on screen is going to be really cool. That, that I'm pretty excited for. Well, and I think, so there's a, there's a halo show that's been in the works for a while. Um, it's supposed to be on, on showtime. Um, right. And it's in production. It's already been in production. It started last year. And so that'll give us a good chance to see, some stuff like this because you know you've got the mjolnir armor and there's covenants who have armor and different alien ships and things like that so seeing what some of that will look like on showtime might give us an idea of where amazon can go yeah so much money is all i hear when you said all of that i just heard sets that are custom build and spaceships that are going to have to be probably uh you know put together and assembled so that the actor can stand on it well, you re you remember the Halo show, uh, Forward Onto Dawn, or or whatnot? Yeah, we that talked was about excellent. That last week. And, yeah, it and was really the, good. The suit was really good. And the actor was right on point. So, and that was not even a ridiculous budget. That was like a straight to DVD type deal. Yeah, it was just under ten million dollars 
for the budget for that. Um, it for, looked incredible. Now it was short, right? It's only yeah. like uh, three hours or something. Um, no, not even. It's like a, almost, it's like an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, so it's like a movie. But if you compare that to other sci-fi stuff on TV these days, you know, you have uh, Star Trek Discovery was 90 million for season one. The Mandalorian was 120 million for season one. Now some of Just those prices- it. That's it? You know what I mean? <laughs> some of those are cheaper than moving forward because you already built some of the sets, right? right? You have the armor built, you have the ship built, you have the bridge built, whatever. Um, and so those, those get reinvested, but with a show like Halo, the Halo budget is roughly $50 million so far that's been spent. Now we don't, I don't know what the full budget's going to end up being for things like VFX and stuff like that. Right. Um, but it's well on its way. And I would imagine a show like fallout has to be somewhere in that same realm, man. I agree with you. Uh, they can do it. They can do it cheap if they decide to go more of the walking dead route where it's just people surviving in this world. I hope they don't do that. That's what I don't want to see. You didn't ask me that, but I can tell you, um, I prefer not to see another walking dead. Like it's a fallout world and we just exist in it. Like that, that's silly to me. So I, I really hope they don't go that route, but yeah, you yeah. could do that. And that'll lower the budget substantially because there's no need for power suits or experiment you know, crazy things on the screen. It's just literally people in a wasteland. It's a lot That's easier. true. I mean, that would allow them to kind of follow the concepts of Fallout 76 without having to tie into a specific narrative necessarily. Um, Cause you could just be another member of vault 76. Who or, gets or it's out. a mixed group and they're like meet each other. You know what I mean? There's going to have to be some of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you're right. All right. Well, let's, let's move on from that here <laughs> a little bit. Right. We'll move on from that. Um, so here's something that is kind of interesting that I, I want to talk about, and that is advertising in VR. So Sony filed a, or you know, the brand, PlayStation branch of Sony yeah. filed a patent for PSVR advertisements that will display in the headset. It's about time. <laughs> right. Like, I guess that's my perspective is like, yeah, I guess that was just, it was going to happen. Right. Um, but for me, at least I had always just hoped it would start becoming like movies where it was more of like product placement than ads, you know? Cause yeah. like for me seeing like seeing a you know, Cheerios box on, on the counter in the kitchen is a lot less intrusive of an ad than pop-up ads that take up chunks of your screen or ads in loading right. screens or something like that. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think? Do you think that this is, was just inevitable? Or do you think it's too far? What? Oh, it's inevitable. I, I feel like, you know, it's a matter of time before literally everything we do has an ad in front of it. It's, it's crazy. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm not surprised by no means. Um, I think a lot of people are going to be angry with it for sure. Um, <laughs> the only thing that makes me more angry is that they might offer an ad free edition or some kind of extra fee that you can pay with PlayStation plus particularly to, to block those ads, which pisses me off. But yeah, um, that's probably what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good point. And like, so we have, there's an IGN article that, that I'm using for reference here and they have an image of what this is supposed to look like. So you've got the rectangle display and the oval, the, the wide oval game image. 
And then mm -hmm. in the top left and top right corner are advertisement image. No. So they'd be like on your peripheral. That's even worse. But like during gameplay. Yeah. That's, that's the part that bugged me when you said that. And like, it should go imagine? away and come back on load screens if that's the case. Like, like, so we've been playing a lot of Star Wars Battlefront 2. Could you imagine like you're in the middle, like you're on like the third objective and your team's like, you know, on the verge of winning or losing. It's a tight match. And then all of a sudden like an ad for Burger King pops up in the corner of your display. No. <laughs> I don't want that. No, no, that's, that's just incredibly annoying and intrusive. And if you're going to do that, you shouldn't do it, number one. Like we already, you know, just make your menu full of ads. You already, everybody already does that anyway. And we're fine with it. Like the Battlefront menu, it, there's like a literally like a t ticker that tells you all these little news and ads. Um, yeah, at least you know, that's, ads for other Star Wars games. Well, well, that's what I'm saying. Like that's a little, that's very tactful. It doesn't feel intrusive. Yeah. I'm on the menu. It's my own choice. But if you're just going to start putting it up in the middle of gameplay, I think a lot of people are going to have problems with that including myself because um i'm looking at other things on the screen and i'm looking at all my gauges my hud whatever you call it i'm, I'm not i don't want to see that well especially in vr you know like even on a tv it would be intrusive but in vr you're, you're trying to be immersed that's the whole yeah. point yeah right? is immersion and so those ads right. if they're not done tactfully it's going to break that immersion that's what i'm really that's a good point about you know um all right so i think we, we were both on the same page with that then um so other news we'll, we'll go with the bad and then the good as far as microsoft is concerned so microsoft has announced that they're basically closing all of their physical microsoft store locations uh save a couple there's going to be i believe two that are going to stay open and be converted into a new type of experience that they're going to be building. What does that mean? Um, I assume something that's like more interactive, you know, they're gonna be huh. mi um, Microsoft Experience Centers in London, New York City, Sydney, and Redmond. Um, wow. And those are gonna be reimagined oh, spaces. Uh, US everything, gets one. <laughs> everything else is getting closed down. Um, wow. So it's, uh, it's, it, this comes in kind of the wake of the news that Microsoft is also closing down Mixer, which is their streaming platform and moving everybody over to uh to facebook gaming if if they choose to so yeah i mean i'm a little bummed because i before the pandemic anyway i liked going to my mall where there was a store and going him in there and five and, people and, and, and they look <laughs> i liked going in there the computer that i'm recording on was purchased in one of those stores and i was looking forward to, to going back in there in the future um you know, they always had cool displays up. You could try out different new games and different setups. That sounds like an experience to me. I, I don't I, know what they're changing. <laughs> What's going to be more like, interactive than that? The computers were also higher end. You know, you go into a lot of like other stores, Best Buys, Walmarts, what have you. And there's a lot of lower end computers, which is completely fine. People want and need those. But for me, I want to be able to, to look at higher end machines because I only buy one in like every like four or five years and I, I kind of go all in. So when you go into a Microsoft store, you know that they're higher end. Like they, they didn't sell anything below an i5. They had a whole section of just gaming laptops you know, that, that range right. of different abilities and all they had really helpful staff that were not working on commission. So it was really easy to talk to them about what you were looking for. Um, 
And so I just, I always had really positive experiences. So I'm bummed out about it. I see that. And, um, you know, the, the thing was, it was competition to Apple and Apple has that down to a science. Like no one can touch that market now um, because everybody is always going to go in the Microsoft store and let's say they did have a bad experience. Well, it's no Apple. That's what they're going to say. It's just how it's going to be. Um, but yeah, I guess I, 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 I'm just going to say like, uh, I don't know, you could do a lot of the things you described at Micro Center, um, which is, I don't know if you guys are listening from other states. I don't know if Micro Center exists there, but Micro Center is literally just a place for computers and gadgets and parts, and they have high-end anything you can possibly think of. Yeah, but their staff works on commission, though, so they're always pushing So they they tell me otherwise. <laughs> no, they definitely work on commission. They definitely work. That's why they want the little sticker. They put their little sticker I know. on the thing. And, God, and that I, gets I so ridiculous. You know, I definitely understand, but sometimes I just want to browse. Sometimes I'm thinking ahead and sometimes I know exactly what I want. And if I, if I, I'm the type of person who, if I want help, I'm going to ask for it, you know, but I also don't, I don't mind being asked if I need help, but I, I don't want to feel pressured to purchase something. Um, and you know, look, that's, that's just the reality of it. People working on commission have to have to do their best to, to make their pay. I get it. I'm not it's like ridiculous there, and, <laughs> you know, but that's what I liked about the Microsoft stores. I never had that pressure at the end of the day. Huh. And look, when I'm looking for a laptop, I don't need to go to a, a BYOD type place for a laptop, right? Now my desktop, every part from my desktop is from Micro Center, you know, <laughs> at one point or another. Um, but a laptop, that, that should be a fairly easy purchase. They've you know? got those though. I know, I know, but they're still- <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just saying. Extra level, you know. Well, it's, and it might open you to other brands that you didn't realize were just as good or better too microsoft you're only going to see microsoft stuff well that's not that's i not guess you're right true. i mean that's I bought, their os they could yeah. they could have the os loaded on on different My, machines like microsoft doesn't really their their computers right. are surface stuff right and I, right. I had an original surface pro but like the new one i got was an msi you know um which is that's great. why i've been very happy uh, with well i i love to have picked that up but it's just there's just from a standpoint they're just not good for they don't replace a desktop. Well, I have both. They're for different purposes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I do. I, and I need both. Cause like, you know, today it, it doesn't really matter, but you know, other days I have to be in a different part of the house and I have to be able to bring it with me and you know, the, the whole nine. So, but um, all right. So the, on the positive end of the spectrum right. is the Xbox. Bring it back up. Xbox. <laughs> so there has been talk of, of course, next gen consoles are coming this this holiday season we're assuming november right before thanksgiving that's pretty on par um and we have the ps5 and the xbox series x or the x series whatever we're calling it now well there's been talks about other variants of these consoles sony announced the digital the all digital edition of the ps5 and there's been this talk of um lockhart which is the development title um for or the working title, whatever you want to call that, for another version of the Xbox that most people believe will be the S series, similar to the Xbox One S, which is the white one that is available for people now. And we have some information about what that is, is going to be. Apparently, it's going to really only take a hit in the GPU that it's going to have the same CPU abilities, the same hard drive abilities, same RAM, 
but a lower GPU geared towards people who are using a 1080 or a 1440p display. This is kind of a big deal because that still keeps the CPU actually faster than the PS5 for their cheaper Xbox, which is pretty interesting. Um, now, John, where are you on the spectrum of which way you like, are you leaning towards one console ah, or the other? I knew you were going to say it. Um, <laughs> take, pick a side and draw a line on the ground. No, no, um, no, of course not. I mean, look, no, you and I both have both now. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Really so I don't want to be stuck in that position, but I feel like I will probably at some point. Um, I am leaning more towards Xbox. The only problem I have with that is, is a lot of our group, some of the guys that we play with, you know, they're, they're going to get a PS5. And um, the only reason I think I'm more hesitant on PS5 side right now is because we don't know anything. You know, you're not telling us. Xbox has at least been very transparent, like on what we can do. Here's what we're trying to do. Here's what we're working towards. Uh, Sony's like, look how cool this looks. <laughs> and then they're like, it can do this. And, but, and then they don't tell us anything else. <laughs> well, they, they did have a very, very technical presentation back in, I believe it was April, um, may, may have been late March. And I think the problem with that presentation was first off, the hardware is incredibly custom for the PS5. Yeah. And I think for yeah. most people, that went over their heads. And even for me, someone who loves technology, who tries to be an early adopter and stay into this stuff, a lot of that was over my head. Well, well um, it's, no one can compare to it. It's a lot of things that, uh, technical specs that people look at, but don't really, do they really measure things that way? You know what I mean? They're really saying that to please a specific type of audience. Sorry to mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, no, you're, you're right. Like we know bits and pieces. So like, for example, we know that the CPU and the Xbox the next, the, the, the series X and the series S will be about a hundred megahertz faster than the PS five absolute best case scenario for the PS five, which actually means, I guess in most cases, the Xbox will be even faster. Right. Um, the Lockhart, uh, you know, takes a, a hit graphically, um, where it's like, it's focusing on four tele teraflops of GPU performance, uh, which actually brings it in under the X, the Xbox One X. Um, so above the S huh. that I have, but below the X. And then um, for comparison, the Series X, which is the new big, big, big one, that's 12 teraflops, which brings it you know, to state of the art. The Lockhart will also have some less RAM from the regular X. The, uh, the Series X will have about 13 and a half gigs, whereas the Lockhart will have seven and a half. So it's definitely a graphic focus change here. But for people like me, I don't have a 4K TV. I don't have a 4K monitor either. So I don't know that I personally need to spend the money on those extra graphical abilities um, if I can't display them to begin with. Yeah, that's a tough. So the thing is, I don't know, like when I make a decision for these consoles, I have upgraded my TV to 4K. I do have 4K sound as well now, but I told myself I wouldn't be doing those things until something went out. And I know you and I are in the same position. We had a nice TV. I, you know what I did? I took that TV, I replaced it with, and I put it in a different room <laughs> because I like it that much. Um, but I just upgraded because, you know, timing was right for me. Um, but anyway, so so for me, I, I'm going to go for 4K, obviously. I, I want the most I can get out of my TV. 
Um, but I, but if you asked me a month or two ago when I, before I purchased this, um, yeah, I was going to say, well, I don't really have a use. So you really, your decision comes down to, will I eventually get a 4k TV and experience this? And I'll just kind of, you know, suffer in the meantime until then, or, you know, am I going to be, this is what I'm going to stick with. This is going to be my setup. So you really, that's really where the decision comes from. Yeah. uh, And I'm with you. And, you know, with the Xbox, it it gets more complicated because Microsoft has said that first party titles will have to be backwards compatible to uh, the previous two releases, which includes the Xbox One X and the Xbox One S. And so I don't even have to upgrade immediately for first party stuff like Halo Infinite, for example, will be available on my Xbox One S. And so since I don't have the 4K TV, I don't know that I really need to feel that rush. And then at the same time, the smart delivery that Microsoft is offering with Xbox means that like if I buy Cyberpunk 2077 for Xbox One, and then I do eventually upgrade to the X series, I get the upgraded version of Cyberpunk for free. It's smart. It really is. So it allows me as a gamer to make the best decision for me without feeling more pressure. Whereas with the PS5, we have no information really on backwards compatibility. There's been some talk about the 100 most popular titles maybe will be compatible at some point, but we don't even know what that list is or how they're determining that list. You know, is that off of sale number, sell numbers? Is that off of hours played? What is that based off of? Um, And what is that timeline? Does that mean 100 by the end of this year, does that mean a hundred in the next three years? What is it? Right. Right. Uh, you know? Um, and you know, at this point with there being now rumors of a third Xbox version, that might be even cheaper. That might be a completely like a cloud based experience. So you could just use X cloud. Then you start having more conversations about Xbox, just giving gamers something that fits their needs. Right. And I don't know, that might be enough to push me to the Xbox side completely this generation just because there's that flexibility. Well, so it's kind of interesting their approach this time around. So before they were like head to head with Sony, right? We're making everybody switch over. There's going to be new controllers, new everything. Um, that's another thing I want to talk about. The, the, uh, the, new, the new gen will also support uh, previous gen controllers and and um, accessories which i know for a fact sony has never done that they never will so you're well, telling me i have to buy new controllers now there is an you exception know? psvr will work on ps well, <laughs> well that's but, because it's the only thing that can play it essentially right now right, they don't right have now. any other yeah. controllers but well, like they could have they could have just made a slightly revamped version still you know that wouldn't like, plug in but <laughs> I, I would prefer more more dexterous ones that uh the competitors have created um and that should have been an upgrade option from the beginning but that's whatever um anyways so it comes down to for me it's like they they are making it so easy for me to get their their next gen that I, I have no reason not to. And so that approach is so different from before. Because uh, last gen it was, we're going head to head with Sony. Everybody's getting new shit. You know, come buy it. And they lost that battle. They, they lost it. And then they tried to make three other machines later to, to keep up with it. Um, it just didn't work. So I think this approach where they're going, hey, we're going to offer you so many options that 
you're just gonna one of these is gonna work for you you're just gonna spend your money with us that's just how it's gonna go and then they made it even easier with the games they're like well we'll just buy us buy a new console we'll give you the game upgrade it's no problem like they're just being so accommodating this time around it's just an interesting approach and i'm wondering i'm hoping it pays off because if there is another cloud-based version i might just get that and then upgrade later on and still get the ps5 i don't know what my plan is for that yet but yeah the, the idea here is i don't know anything about the ps5 but i know a lot about what microsoft is going to do with this new xbox and i'm kind of leaning more towards that honestly the hardware thing is big. I mean, the wife and I, we got custom controllers last year because, you know, Microsoft has that whole uh, lab, you know, the controller lab that they have. Yeah. Um, it's great to know, like, when, when, when we got those, we knew that we could use them on the next generation. And that's kind of cool because, like, they do cost a little bit extra, you know, and I got, like, some extra features on mine. So it was more than a normal controller. So knowing that I can keep it for the next generation is huge. Um, huge. Yep. And then there's a whole separate thing, which is Xbox All Access, where you can lease basically your own console. And yeah, it's it's a two-year commitment. You do spend a little bit more than if you had just done it retail, but it comes with Xbox Live. And then people who can't drop $500, $600 can do $25 a month or $20 a month. Right you know, and, and keep that dripping in. And I definitely understand that there are so many times where I know, well, if I can finance it, I can do it. If I can't finance it, I can't, I just don't have the cash to do that thing. You right. Know? Um, it's a normal part of, of, of a lot of people's lives, right? Like my garage doors broke. Well, I could finance it so I could, I could get them fixed. Right. I couldn't just drop whatever it was, $1,400 or whatever to fix the garage door. Right. Same thing here. There are plenty of people who can't say, yeah, in November, I'm going to drop 500 plus tax on a new console. One. Uh, and know? if people like us who want, who would love to have both, it's like but, you're looking at a thousand or less is your, your bottom number. And like I, like, I know that like first party stuff is a big deal, right? You've got, you know, Halo and Gears of War on the Xbox side. You've got uh, Horizon Zero Dawn and Spider-Man on the PlayStation side. You have to kind of start making some decisions. I don't know. I like Xbox's flexibility right now. It makes me feel more comfortable as a gamer spending my money. And they're going to finance it for you, which is, I just think that's crazy, but it's very, it's a very smart, smart move. And you're not focusing on the retailer to, I, I think they might have some trouble with some of the retailers that offer financing like Best Buy. They're like, we do financing. Microsoft is going to steal some business from them. Um, yeah. even though they buy their, their product. But yes, I, I think that's really interesting. And um, even if you're, you, so you have to sign up, you said two years commitment on that. It's a two year deal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a two I was just going to say, if you were going to just casually try it, there might be a pay as you go thing. Who knows? But that, that would be a good option for me. I think it's just a two year deal. Huh? Maybe they'll, maybe they'll do a pay as you go. <laughs> um, but hey i don't know if we've done this before but those controllers are, that they bought are so cute cue it now so when he edits this he's gonna put a picture of it for you guys there's no pictures it's just a podcast he's put man. it up there there's no pictures <laughs> no pictures he's it's been too long since you've done this so right. long that i believe video is still involved <laughs> so okay we we need to we need to go on to our main topic 
Okay, because we've been talking news, and that's been really fun. Been <laughs> Every time, see, it's just like old times. <laughs> it is. It really is. So the main topic, and and why why I picked you specifically is Resident Evil. I know very little about this franchise. I've played Resident Evil Four, and I have sadly watched a lot of the movies. <laughs> Um, I forget how many I've seen. Whichever the first one was that was offered in 3D was the last one I saw because um, it was awful. I don't even know, man. <laughs> I, that's how much I despise those movies. Um, so you you are our Resident Evil expert. So before I turn things over to you, I just want to kind of give people a background. So this franchise has been around since 1996, first released on the PlayStation. And since then has really done quite a bit. There's a long list of Resident Evil games out there um, with a lot of remakes that are just now coming out or on the horizon. And I thought this would be a good opportunity, John, for you to kind of explain to people the branches of Resident Evil because you've got like the core numbered games where we have like Resident Evil 8 Village right. is the right. one that was announced recently. Um, you've got the... Revel, um, not the revelations. What are the, what's there's um, yeah, revelations. There's the revelations. yeah. There's one and two of revelations. Right, and then and there's, there's like there's the chronicles and all these other side ones. So help right. us pretend <laughs> pretend you're trying to pitch Resident Evil to somebody and explain what's going on and how to get Man, into these games. You are asking a, a an impossible task almost. But uh, so essentially. There are core games that follow specific characters, five, six characters in total. Um, they're not always in the same game together, but they are, you know, typically coupled together in, in various games. So your original numbered series, with the exception of seven, are actually all of those same characters, whereas seven, Biohazard, the newer one, um, is basically uh, very different let's just say, and has callbacks, but not necessarily tied into the same story. Um, and, and so your, I would say your first one through six is going to be your core Resident Evil. Um, and then you can go back even further and do some of the, the other games where it was like Code Veronica, which kind of explain who Chris and Jill are. Um, but you also introdu you're also introduced to Chris and Jill in the first game too. So I say you say if you were to do that correctly in an order that I recommend it would be one through six, then go back and do the the side mission the side games like uh, which are still there's different tiers so well so let me ask Code you Veronica and all that stuff but <laughs> sorry I'm so, rambling on but I'm trying to explain it in a way that is recommended <laughs> sure yeah no I, that's what I want that's what I want so I just want to ask some questions though so yeah. Um, Okay, so we, we got a remake of the first game way back in 2002. We're just now getting more remakes. Last year, we got uh, number two remade. This year, we got number three. They're supposedly working on number four. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. Where does Zero come in? Is Zero part of that core story? Is it a pre- So, so it's, yeah, it is. So that's what I was saying is um, it, it, still, it still ties in it kind of explores those particular characters and a, a mission of their, their own on the side. Um, but zero is like Sherry Birkin. And uh, I forget the other gentleman's name. Uh, it's like, uh, 
Darn, I'm not even going to try to guess. Anyways, but you, you'll you'll learn more about that there. What were they doing during that time? Because there's not a direct sequel unless you're part of the core group. Leon, Chris, Jill, Claire, um, and Ada, essentially, is your core group. But Sherry, Bar Sherry and Barry, I know they rhyme. Sherry, Barry, Carlos, there's all these other characters that are, um, they're part of the story, but they, they didn't really get, uh, you know, a game individually in that one through seven, one through six series. So that's where you go play Code Veronica. That's where you go play Zero. That's where you do the chronicles and see what was happening on the side, you know, during a specific moment in the game. They all do come together in a way where they all kind of weave into the story. But um, yeah, so you, you just see it from different perspectives of different characters and what they were doing during some of those events. Um, the Raccoon City event being the one. But anyways, so six, so sorry, seven, when we talk about it, Biohazard has broken the chain of those characters and become something else, which is why I don't include it in the recommended uh, okay. playability, <laughs> playable, playable so per se. When you say the Chronicles, are you only referring to the Umbrella Chronicles and the Dark Side Chronicles? Or are there other games that are part of that? So, yeah, I am referring to those. Those were okay. on-rail Wii games, essentially. Oh, okay. And so, like House of the Dead kind of thing. Exactly. So you see, you experience the story, but you see it from the perspective of the other characters. But it's on wheels. It's not so much, uh, you know what I mean? It's more yeah. of an arcade style versus a actual story-driven game. Um, so, but, yeah, there's other ones there, too. So right, because like, there's still like a ton things. of other games, right? Mm -hmm. You've got like uh, Dead Aim and Outbreak and Deadly Silence. What are what are all of these? these so these were independent companies uh, using the Resident Evil name and brand. Um, they are not. They have great concepts, but they are not very good because they're uh, most of those games are, um, with the exception to the Outbreak games. The Outbreak games were good, but they were again just a random bunch of strangers trapped in a building how are we going to survive <laughs> they were very good and they had a lot of different um mechanics that they added in those games again third-party studios those were good they got a sequel they did their thing but then there's raccoon operation raccoon city and then there's some other ones like that that came out that were just like you know like resistance which was eventually later lumped in with the three Resident Evil 3 remake. Um, but yeah, it's like they're online and it's like multiplayer, but with zombies around you and it, it just didn't work. So wait, so the, the remake of Resident Evil 3 that came out earlier this year includes <laughs> the content from like, from Resistance. some of these other games, from Resistance? Yeah, so Resistance is another third party type uh, deal where it's online, but it's actually interesting because someone plays a mastermind where they're leashing villains and doing all these things and these people are trying to survive in your own kind of game um it is cool it's very cool but then it sucks because you always want to just play the mastermind all the time so like playing another character is kind of lame when when you have that kind of power on the other side and those your turn between doing that is so far in between Okay, so then, so that's timeline, kind of the story. Let's talk gameplay because I know the gameplay has changed. We talked about a little bit about, about that, how yeah. like the Chronicles are on rails, arcade shooters, but right. like the original game was like a fixed camera game 
Whereas like four is basically a third person shooter. Four is where they changed that. Um, one through three in the originals were really difficult to play, um, but they focused more on the horror aspect of it, which is why they did fixed camera angles. Um, you didn't know what was going to be around that corner. You saw up until the edge of, of the corner. You know what I mean? You're not quite over it, but you can just see around it. Um, and they did that to add suspense um, and, it, and add challenge. They had way less enemies in those games too, right? But the they enemy were harder. Count, you had fewer resources. Well, that and you, could have, you couldn't even see them half the time. You know what I mean? It really slows you down. You're not really sprinting through anywhere in those games. You can sprint, but... Um, most of the time you're that was another mechanic that they started out with stationary shooting that did not stop until resident evil 6 it was the first game to have that where you could actually move and shoot at the same time and reload and, and move oh, man so that's awful. up until up until that time one through five you had always been um stationary which also added a level of difficulty and they also had way more villains in the in the later games so doing that was hard Wow. Um, so like, I know, so let's, let's talk about three for a little bit because it's just been remade and everything. So nemesis of course is like this big bad. That's like kind of chasing you throughout the game. Yeah. Right. Have you played the remake yet? Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, it's actually very short. Um, it's like eight hours so you can beat it really quick. Um, it was good. It's a lot like the, the resident evil two remake, right. Where, mechanics are good they changed it just enough but some of the places they changed it were a little odd and they cut out some of the story um the this is the tiring thing about this type of game so you you if you break down the resident evil series each game kind of focuses on a different element right so like this one is the evasion the fear out of invasion out of evasion you know what i mean so the whole game is evading you know this guy uh nemesis that's the whole game right um that gets a little repetitive over time and that's just the type of gameplay it it, is no fault on the graphical um you know graph they came overcame a lot of boundaries on graphics it looks beautiful game the mechanics are smooth again gameplay is a little outplayed these days so that's why i think that game got a little lower on the ratings um compared to the resident evil 2 which is more horror somewhat action so that that's that's why if you if you've read anything that said that game sucked um it's because the gameplay is is played out it's and it's a little repetitive um today by today's standards but the game itself is beautiful okay so then in that case like let's pretend yeah you're talking to someone who's who's never played before ever should they play the original versions of these games or do you think they should just play these remakes? Man, if I were to give you advice, uh, especially if you're, if you're used to playing games like today, I would start with the remakes. Definitely. Because I, I guarantee you going back, even me going back, who's played these games a lot. Um, very frustrating in those fixed camera angles, very frustrating that you can't move and shoot. Like there, there is, it'll be more frustrating because you're used to the way games are now to go back. So I I would say two is a really great entry with the remake. You're not really, you're not missing anything. It's almost identical to the original and it's better in every way. So honestly, you could start there, play three, 
you've got most of the story down there. Um, then you need to go back and play the original, the first one. Uh, I would say the remake, you know, the remastered. When was that one? Oh, at least 2002. Yeah. Yeah. So it's still kind of old. And they remastered it again for PlayStation 4 because I've played it recently on my play. I believe it was also free on um, PlayStation Plus at one point Mm, last year. Um, But yeah, so then I'd go back and and play that one. It's an updated graphics. At least it looks better. And um, you'll still have the same mechanics, but at least you'll be able to look at it and you'll be like, that's pretty. But yeah, the, the best games are going to be two, two and three right now, especially two is a great entry point if, if you're used to playing games like this today. One of the things that's really interesting about this franchise is what it was released on is all over the place. I mean, you have, like, it was originally a PlayStation game, let's, let's be fair, but it ended up getting versions released for the 64 had a port, the Dreamcast had a port, there were GameCube and Wii games, there was even a Game Boy Color game, uh, which wasn't one of the mainline games, of course, but it was yeah. still there. Um, do you think that platform matters when you're playing these games? Do you think there's any platform that is better than another one? Yeah, I think console is going to be your best route for story driven because just like I was explaining with the Wii and those Chronicle games, they were designed for the Wii. Like they're they're on rails like House of the Dead, so that's an arcade, and they clearly use the the um, you know the name to to put together that game. Um, game Boy Advance one, it's going to be just a kind of an up top camera, just moving around with fixed angles again um those games it's good to enjoy on on the movement you know on the road but it's not ever going to compare to a console experience at home you know i don't know if you play in the dark but i do depends on the game that's part of it yeah as i'm saying for me i think your experience is going to be best on console Over, I like to I mean, play... you can do it on the switch too switch switch now has the original ones uh, available and i would actually play it on that as well nice yeah, the, the darker a game is, the more likely I am to play it in the dark so I don't have reflections screwing up my sight. Yes. You know? Yeah. Well, I'm and I like the ambiance. I like the ambiance. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'll, I'll turn, like, the light. I'll get it dimmed. <laughs> it's not dark, but it's dimmed. Uh, uh, it adds to it. Yeah, see, I don't, I don't have a dimmer in the living room. So it's all, <laughs> okay. it's all dark. Like I've been playing the last of us part two. I, I try in, and get in the dark. dark. Well, cause like the game, there's so many times where you're in dark areas and you're just yeah. using a flashlight. And so like, if I have my lights on, they're going to reflect on my TV. Exactly. Like see very well. Well, and I don't want to dress my brightness every time. Right. No, like, let's no. be real. Well, cause it bleeds out all the color. It yeah. just doesn't look right. You know? So I guess we didn't really talk about the last of us. Cause I know you haven't started it yet. I'm about seven and a half hours in, but that's a thing. Put some time in. I'm trying. I'm trying. It's Good. hard, you know. Well, because uh, Ray and I, my, my wife and I, we are playing through. Uh, we just finished up the original Halo, and now we're playing Halo Two. So I'm jealous because I <laughs> want to play those again recently, and the wife won't play first-person shooters, unfortunately. Yeah. This is her first. She's just not her style. Yeah. But she beats me at Resident Evil. She should be here talking about Resident Evil. She beats me in the Mercenaries every time. Well, you know, I would love to have her on the show, <laughs> but I know podcasts are my favorite thing. In she's the world. a quiet shy. Yep. Yeah. Which is a shame because she always knows her stuff. So she you know. knows a lot of stuff. She's just too quiet to t- to speak up and say it. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So 
I, I say console experience and and to add on to what you were you were saying a moment ago it's like you know we always try to I don't know tailor to the, like I'm not going to play Resident Evil outside in the sun in a park <laughs> right I'm, I'm just not going to do that laying on the beach <laughs> you would rather play it you know in your bed or something I gotcha yeah absolutely so let's let's talk about seven. Let's talk about Biohazard. Came out in 2017. <laughs> um, I remember it being a pretty big deal when it was announced, which mm-hmm. you know, there had been a bit of a gap, about five years between it and the previous mainline game. What because I know it's also not like your favorite thing in the world. So let's talk a bit about how it's a departure, maybe, from the yeah. rest of the franchise. Very easy, very easy. So um the series at this point, one through six has really focused on expanding the bio uh, terrorism in the world, right? The story is very focused about global terrorism. For God's sakes, uh, the fifth game takes place in Africa, like the whole continent. (laughs) Um, Six takes place in multiple locations. Japan, like uh, they go all the way to Russia and then they go to the US and like a lot of different places. So seven when they came out when they basically came out with the news uh, of of the direction they wanted to go for it they were like we're going to be in a a small isolated incident in louisiana (laughs) it's like okay so my first thought was okay so it's no longer a global terrorism thing which sounds really large scale it's so focused. In fact, it's in a small area in Louisiana. That to me was weird. It's like, okay, we just made this giant thing and turned it really, really small. Uh, made it very tiny. And so that was a weird thing. And then the biggest of them all is up until this point, you know, the series have, has always had a third person camera angle. This was first person. And it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What, do, what are we doing here? Resident Evil is not, it's not a, it's not a first person unless you're playing Chronicles. Okay. But they wanted to take it and be serious with it. Um, so at that point, I, you, you had lost a lot. You're going to lose a lot of fans from that aspect um, alone. Third person people. My wife, that is her favorite series. She didn't want to play seven because it's first person. So there are some people that are like that and there are some fans that are, are going to say it's not, you know, it's, it's not original to the series, which it's not. It's a completely different, they, the tone is different. Everything is completely redid. So it was like a revamp. And I really wish in my particular, I'm going to go on the tangent, in my particular opinion, I think they should have just rebranded or re, you know, reshifted everything and said, this is Resident Evil this way or this is a different type of Resident Evil. I wish they would have separated it because six was left so open. And then when you come back to a brand new type of game with a different type of feel, um, I feel like they should have just completely turned this into a different series. Um, and, and and we can, we can sit there and say separate it as long as you separate it. Um, I just think the, the whole premise of it was just, they were trying to recapture some fan, new fans and lose some of the old, um, but try different things. And I respect that. I just think that I wish the separation would have been more apparent. 
Well, do, do you think that maybe they felt forced to go to a first person perspective so they could also release in VR? Because third person VR is, is pretty rare and is more prone to making people feel motion sickness than first person is. And since seven is, is a VR game as well, do you think that was the reason? So um, if I recall, I think the VR was later released later. But it was still probably um, in development at the same time. You know, it may, may yeah. not be done. But like, I'm sure I, that that was thought together. I think that was probably an approach. Uh, they may have had a contract with Sony, Capcom, to produce some other specific content for VR. Um, I don't think that was their sole decision. Um, because early on in a lot of the interviews in Comic-Con and, and all of the other gaming uh, conventions that have you know covered it, years before their president was basically saying Capcom um, and the, the head of the Resident Evil franchise basically was saying that they, they want to do something different and they want to bring back fans, um, you know, from the original two. And so what that means is they want to be heavy on the horror side because uh, the score in those original games are very like, don't don't like ominous and scary. Right. Whereas, later on like in six it's like techno because it's more arcade like let's kill shit right um but yeah so i think they were very clear from the beginning they were going to make some changes um of the for the announcement of this game and, and they're trying to follow that here with village which we can segue into that as well if you like let's let's do it so village was announced recently um I know there's not much for me to really know about it because the, the trailer is not designed to give a whole lot away. Right. Um, I do love the name because of the way Roman numeral numbering works, I think is really clever. But well, they did that with, with the Biohazard 7. Well, but that's part of like, their, their, that's like Resident Evil. Like that's just part of the name. And this one, you know, it's a little more creative to come up with, with Village, you know, but. Um, this looks like it's like up in the north though there's lots of snow right and, and all of that so it's weird because this is supposed to be a continuation of ethan's story in seven but if seven takes place in louisiana this is this this isn't louisiana is it it doesn't look like no it looks i don't know so it's tough to tell where they're at but um they could <laughs> I mean, they could very well be in Alaska, right? We don't, we don't really know. We just see the creepy old lady, so we just assume she's from Europe. So it could be Russia, but yeah, very, very. How you go from one little isolated incident in Louisiana to um, <laughs> a place in Russia, <laughs> right? Like, especially if it follows the same story. Like, if these were just now anthologies and they weren't connected to each other, then you can, I guess, you can do whatever. But. Um, it, you know the game the game's uh, a little over halfway done it's been in development since before seven was released so they were kind of done somewhat in tandem with each other um that surprised me when i heard that actually and like no no like significant spoilers or anything but there's a there's a clear decision that takes place in seven and uh like halfway through the game they haven't announced which is like the quote canon ending and right this is a common issue with games that provide choice, like the Bioshock franchise. Um, there's, they can't make every cho permutation of it canon because the next game has to do something. Well, or because like they did that with Gears uh, 5, and I'm pretty sure we killed um, 
what's his name? We killed. Uh... No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh come not, on! We're not gonna you, spoil. You between two people. characters, and I killed one of them, the main one, not on act, not on purpose. <laughs> so I'm wondering how he will play in the next game because he's clearly on the trailer. <laughs> the trailer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, and that's a problem, right? Like, I understand these games are trying to get more sophisticated. They want more right immersion and interactivity and your ability to for your actions to actually have consequences but at the same time you know you can't you can't make two different games right and be like well if you chose plan a so, like here's wait a the minute. game for the red pill and here's the <laughs> right <You know? laughs> wait a minute it is possible i mean they could save you know look at your previous save i guess write a code somewhere in there and um that looks for a specific, you know, variable, and then load a cutscene or something. You're right? They could do that. Well, they could do it, but imagine the cost involved. <laughs> I don't to add a cutscene. Probably not. Well, no, not to add just a cutscene, but like in order for those ramifications to be long lasting, it would have to impact the whole narrative. You know, and so you have to basically split apart the game and give people a choice. And you can't base it off of the save file because then you force people to play on the same platform or branch of platforms that they played uh, on previously. Yeah. Right. So if someone played seven on PS4, but now they want to play eight on X series, that won't work. Right. So you have to give them a, right. cho- a choice at the beginning. Hey, what did you do back, back <laughs> in the previous you know, game? You know what? That's a good idea. Maybe they do that in the beginning. They, they go like, do you still want to do this? And then you choose. But then they're going to have some people who never played seven. Right? Right. So then you have to be like, well, I never played. Like, do you randomize it or do you pick one? And then whichever right. one that picks kind of becomes how we're game. thinking way too complicated for these games they would probably they were probably just going to ignore it is what i expect yeah i mean usually one is picked as canon is usually what right. happens right it's right. like you know in halo the legendary ending is the canon ending right right because uh, it usually shows a little bit more than you would get to see if you beat it on normal or something like that um and so I think Resident Evil, I think, I think Capcom has to make that decision. They have to come back and say, well, this is the ending that we've decided is canon or the decision. I think that, that's smart. You know, um, and, and go on from that. Well, now, well they, that's the thing is they try to make six and seven. Well, sorry, seven fit in with the other ones by saying, oh, Chris Redfield comes in at the end. Ada's a big part of it. And it takes place at that same time period before he went to Africa. Okay. I get that, but at the same time, those are spoilers, sorry. Um, at the same time, I should have said something. Um, at the same time, we we essentially wanted the Capcom to come out and say, this is a different game, just ties in. They did never said that. Sorry, I went on a tangent, but they never said that. And that's what bugged me, is because yeah. 6 was left so open with a specific character who... Um, has abilities and he has a clear mission um so it was really weird that they made this to be number seven they should have just said resident evil biohazard instead of putting that number seven because then you make the association that it's part of that story which it's not it just takes a place in a particular time well and i i agree with you there and i think the producers do as well because the producers don't really want people calling them seven and eight they want them being called biohazard and village but the problem is that the logos and the art design include the numbers right yes and so like 
I don't, I don't think you can have it both ways. It's got to be one or the other. So if you don't want those numbers included, don't include them at all. Because let's face it, there's plenty of Resident Evil games that are not numbered. It's not like it's oh, a absolutely to the franchise. So what my theory is, it was a marketing decision. Because if you keep in a number, then it's more likely to get people to purchase it because it's a mainline game. Right, right. right? And that's the problem I had with that. And I think you would have kept a lot of people had you just marketed it that way instead of the other way. Because all, all, now people think this is eight, right? Just because he said it on seven. So now these people look at going, werewolves? There's no werewolves in Resident Evil. And I thought that immediately myself. I think the story is super cool. And I was like, man, I wish they would have just went like a, um, you know, like a, like a, a, what do they call it? What are these, what do these call like mythic, like mythical, like kind of went like the people would tell like stories, wise tales of this weird oh, werewolf like, in the werewolves world. are not yeah, it, mythological creatures. Yes. I feel like if cryptics, you would have went like yeah. a mythological route and kind of had like, they tell a story and then tied it into bio, like, you know what I mean? Like some kind mm-hmm. of bioterrorism that would have been cool. And I feel like they're going to go that route. I just wish you would have never connected it though. I just wish you would have been like, yeah, we're just doing something different. All right. So I maybe, guess maybe they've had too many failures doing it that way. So let's look at it this way. Maybe it'll take place in Europe and they're going to use village as an opportunity to take the underworld movie franchise and turn it into a video game franchise that crosses over with resident evil. I mean, I, if there is a bigger plan for it, <laughs> I'm, I'm all about it. There was only one place I think it fits and it's hard. It's a hard thing for me to admit it. There is a time in the beginning of Resident Evil 6 where Chris has clearly there's some so he someone died, he made a bad decision and there's like a time period in between there before we see him, right? And he's rough. He's he's down on his luck. He has no money. People are picking on him. He's a drunk. And then that's where we see him now. But there was time in between there. I'm wondering if they're going to try to insert this, this game right there. Right in there as a companion story. It would yeah. make sense because he would have been in Europe at that time. There you go. I mean, I think that that could probably work. Here's a question I have for you. So um, this GameSpot article, they were interviewing some of the producers involved. And they said that the, the title Village is important because the village itself is actually a protagonist in the game. What the hell do you think that means? See, that's I, that's that's not the only one. There's been a couple other weird things about it too. This is an M Night thing. You guys are going <laughs> M Night. Make this a different game. <laughs> I, I appreciate the horror and the uniqueness. I appreciate it. I just don't like like it when you make the association that's part of a series and it's not. But I feel like what they're trying to say is that it the game will probably have, I don't know, they're going to probably make this village like a hotspot for, for some kind of bioterrorism. And it's having some weird effect uh, on, the, on the geographical location. But That's protagonist, protagonist doesn't, I mean, it doesn't have to mean, but it usually means good guy. Right. Um, you know, there's some exceptions, of course, when you have like anti-hero type characters, right? Like Harlequin and Birds of Prey. She's the she's the protagonist. Yeah. Right. 
um, even though she's not necessarily a good guy. Um, so well, well, what I was saying is that the village is the the victim is what I'm uh, trying to say. The village is the victim. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then they've been using that spot in gotcha. that location for whatever bioterrorism. That that's what I was suspecting. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. I mean, I guess we'll have to see. It's going to be a next gen game, or, so. or maybe they they all team up and they use the werewolves to take down the bioterrorism. Yes. You know what I mean? Like we we put together a squad, a squad of werewolves. That's that's Scruffy. That's Billy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? I guess I guess we'll have to see. The the one good thing about being next gen is they get to take advantage of all that new hardware, which right maybe could create more of an open world type experience for the game. I hope not. Have, to have a bunch of load screens. I hope not. <laughs> no. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I uh, like the idea of no more load screens. I don't know. Oh, oh, I see. Like, now. An, like an open world necessarily, but the idea that like one of, one of my biggest pet peeves is when I open a door to somewhere and it has to load me into <laughs> wherever that door leads, yeah. you know, and like maybe I open the door by accident, <laughs> you know, but I have to that's resident evil that you can't play the old ones then. Cause that's all of them. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, oh, I'm I don't, serious now though, with, 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 too. <laughs> with these next gen games are like, that's less and less of an issue. Right. Right. Because storage space will be larger. Load times will be so substantially faster that you won't necessarily need to do that. And so that's what my hope, that's what my hope is. It, you know what I noticed though, with the games that typically have smaller or less load screens, they are graphically, they're good, but they're never like Last of Us level, right? Last of Us has some load load screens. For the most part, it's pretty open, but there are some load screens when you go between zones and things. Oh yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I just think this next gen has more opportunity. For sure. For, for sure. For I'm sure. just saying, though, that those games we see now, even though open world, with the exception of Skyrim and Dragon Age, they put a, obviously a lot of money, but they, they get away with camera angle and stuff like that mm-hmm. to, to, so that the graphics don't have to be as crisp. Well, that's what I always found impressive about Breath of the Wild, Zelda, mm-hmm. uh, for Switch, because like that whole map is gorgeous and you can walk There's the no loading. whole thing <laughs> the only loading is when you go inside shrines right right um which is really interesting and that's because like you know there's like a it's couple impressive hundred them, so. but, but the only thing i think that allows them to do that is the fact that it's animated maybe that's it i guess the only yeah. thing if they were to try to do that live action or more serious i don't think they would be able to achieve that Maybe not. I mean, the Fallout seventy six map is loaded the whole time. You can you can walk the whole thing. But the, it, graphically, it's okay. I, I mean, it's it's more Fallout. sophisticated graphics than Zelda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like I said, Dragon Age, they get away with the camera angle. It's a little further away. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Oblivion. Uh, yeah, I'd say. It, well, but Oblivion's graphics. I mean, especially the original uh, version that came to hell and re released a few times. Right. It's been you fixed. Know. They fixed it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a fir- it's an original launch. I mean, those graphics were not like at the time they were impressive. You know, mm-hmm. but when we look back on that, those aren't like they don't. Oh, those, those were holding up on Xbox 360. <laughs> <laughs> That's how old, man. That's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're a little past our hour mark here. Is there anything else about Resident Evil you think we should touch on? Anything that you want people to know or consider? Well, I, I say um, 
I think you should go through and play them. Uh, you'll enjoy it at, at the very minimum. They're very arcade style and there's a lot of extra content, which I think is great. I'm not trying to sell everybody on them. I'm just saying though, like um, the originals have something called a mercenaries mode mercenaries for the most part, not originals. It kind of starts from Resident Evil four through four, five, six. Um, the mercenaries mode is really cool. And uh, basically you play as a character and you have a timer and it's kill as many zombies as you possibly can in that timer. Um, so just saying, like, there's a lot of really cool things that they've added in those th in those original games. So if you're the type of person who likes real, like, really realistic gameplay and you like really, you know, a lot heavy on the horror side, I'd say you know your entry point would be either the beginning or start with with seven. It's a completely different game. It doesn't hardly even ties in. Um, you you only know Chris Redfield from the other series, right? So that's the only tie-in in seven, is that Chris shows up. Or there's a whole saying, and Ada and Ada. But you were saying like maybe start with the remakes of two and three, and then go back and play the remake you, of one. Yeah, if you're planning on if you're planning on you want to go through the series, I would start at two, go through two, three, four, five, six, and then go back to one. Gotcha. Um, because two through, you know. Two through six is going to be essentially similar, very similar gameplay. There's still horror in those games, but they're more they're more action based. Right. There's a right. lot of free motion. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think I think the series uh, overall has evolved. Um, it's I'm gonna play Village. It sounds really cool. I just wish it wasn't tied in um, into the series. But yeah, that's the same thing with Seven. Seven was was good. It's just. I consider it a different game. It's not, it's not the, it's not the last of us, right? It's not that good. Right. Right. <laughs> Fair enough, man. Fair enough. All right. Well then let's, let's wrap things up. Um, sure. I, it was fun doing this with you again. I know. I can't long, stop man. talking either. <laughs> well, look, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on. We'll talk more stuff. We'll talk other games yeah. down the road here. Um, what, okay. So of course you still, uh, have Buster props, your prop making business where you do some really incredible cowls and masks and different types of things. So I don't know if there's, if you want to plug that or if people want to like talk to you about games or anything, how they might be able to reach out to you. Yeah. So you can always just message me directly. Um, Jonathan Zerwinski, CZ. Um, but yeah, if, if you're interested in costume parts or costume pieces, cowls, masks, belts I'm not going to go through the whole list um <laughs> you know i make them uh, me and a, a good business partner you probably know him from the other podcast ryan um the, the grouchy one that's right uh <laughs> my co-host on screen here right yeah. right no. um you know we make good stuff we try to do a lot of cool things that we wish we could have had as a child or you know we've grown up and we have money now we're like we're gonna make it so we make a lot of that stuff come find us interested yeah. so they're at buster props you can find them on twitter and facebook and etsy and, and all that good stuff and uh yeah you can find our web page just type in busterprops.com pretty easy too there you go perfect <laughs> all right man well hey thanks for joining me and we'll have you on again soon i promise of course okay well that's gonna be it for us this week thank you so much for joining us i hope you had a good time and enjoyed having John on the show and us talking about Resident Evil and all the good gaming news that is out there. 
Uh, we will be back in two weeks because remember, this is normally a bi-weekly podcast series now, but we will do random episodes here and there as needed. So you can find me, of course, at the Star Trek dude on Twitter or Facebook if you'd like to talk to me personally. Otherwise, thank you for joining us. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. And as always, game on. Gamer Heroes is produced by the Heroes Podcast Network and hosted by me, Derek Mayer. Follow me at the Star Trek dude on Twitter. You can subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, Podcast Addict, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at GamerHeroesPod or Facebook and Instagram at Heroes Podcasts. Stream our latest episodes and catch other HPN shows on our website, HeroesPodcasts.com. Game on.